0: So, guys, we got a bunch of cool things happening at Deek Snipe Telly. Aside uh, so yep. from, well, we got merch now. That's cool. <laughs> we're not selling it yet, but maybe someday we had some people ask. So, we made some and, uh, and it actually turned out pretty good. We love our logo and so do, so do other really people. Really nice. So. I dig it. I really do. We've also got a really cool video intro, passage. which we're going to. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> We uh, we got a really cool video intro. We're gonna we're gonna roll into our podcast. Something that's been uh, been pro done uh, by one of our guys, and uh, we're so so happy. Same guy who designed our logo.
1: On up.
0: Oh yeah, we're coming we're coming for you TSM. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but more importantly, what we want to announce: we got a great guest. Probably it might go down as one of our greatest guests we'll ever have. Uh, he's Definitely one of dubbed, the smartest. Yeah, well, for,
2: most
1: accomplished else. for sure.
3: Well, <laughs> for
2: a long
0: time, I was I was. I always thought, well, I'm obviously the most skilled person on the podcast until we had Theo Flurry. <laughs> then I thought, okay, I'm the most knowledgeable person on the podcast. Then we Take had that Joe, Joe Bowen. Bowen. Yeah. yeah. I said, well, maybe I'm the richest person on the podcast. Then we had Dean McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Chad, what the hell are me and you?
0: <laughs> yeah, you clowns. And I always thought I was the smartest person on the podcast, let's be honest. And uh, now we're having Dr. Charles Tatter, and he's been Tell dubbed, you, guys, the concussion doctor. And I'm, of course, kidding. I love my my co-hosts. You guys are great. But uh, we've got the concussion doctor coming on, and uh he's one of the forefront uh, researchers, uh medical professionals in the in the industry. He's wow. been working at it for over 50 years. He knows everything. So everything. we're super excited to welcome him to the podcast. Uh, we're gonna hit issues like uh the NHL, what they have and haven't been doing, uh what they can do better. Um, and some of the run-ins that dr tatter has had with the nhl over the years uh, we're going to talk about concussions in general some just information that coaches need uh players need parents. and more importantly parents uh, yeah. if you've got kids there's some great information in here that i didn't know that i uh, will absolutely take away from this and uh, yeah. and 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 let my kids know and things i can watch for uh and more importantly um there's some uh very detailed talk on legislation in and around concussions and things that can save lives so we've got a podcast completely full lined up for you guys uh hope you enjoy welcome to episode 10 the deke snap silly podcast here we go very privileged today uh to have joining us as our fourth uh member our guest member uh dr charles tatter um dr tatter uh, he's he's got a long list of, of accomplishments but i'll give you the Cole's notes breakdown of of where he comes from he's a uh, a neurosurgeon uh i guess neuroscientist i guess in that in that regard uh focuses heavily on research in concussions uh he's been awarded the uh order of uh, order of canada which is uh, an amazing uh, an amazing accomplishment um he's been inducted into the canadian medical hall of fame that was back in 2009 i think if my memory serves uh the terry fox hall of fame uh, he's also been uh, awarded the uh order of hockey in canada as recent as 2020 last year and wow. uh, and he's been inducted into the canadian sports hall of fame so um that's a, a there's a few of those there that I'm sure he's been the first physician to be inducted into uh, when it comes to of hockey in Canada. I can't imagine
4: uh...
1: you've been busy, Doctor Tatter.
4: Yeah, <laughs> uh, um, Ryan didn't tell you that I have insomnia, so <laughs> <laughs> work day and night. Oh, wow. oh my god, I, I bet.
1: bet wow.
0: Well, I've got t- I've got two boys under the age of five, so I've got insomnia as well. So...
1: <laughs> you got it as well. <laughs> it's
0: too funny so i guess uh i guess we've got to get the the ball rolling i gave you the the cole's notes of some of his some only some of his accomplishments some stood out to me and uh, (laughs) and a little bit on his background but dr tatter if you could give us a little bit more insight as to first of all where you're from uh a little bit about your upbringing and maybe uh if you had any dealings with sport as a child uh coming up through if you watched the game a fan of the game or played the game
4: Oh, uh, that's lovely. I love to talk about um, my early efforts in sports. So I was born in Toronto. Uh, I work in the same hospital in which I was born. How does that sound?
1: Wow.
4: That's uh, That's cool. And I haven't gone too far from Toronto, Um, although I do go to meetings and um, give lectures in many other places, but uh, I'm a real local yokel and
3: uh,
4: <laughs> I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed myself in Toronto. I had a great um, neighborhood where I grew up. In fact, uh, hockey was my passion until I probably was in medical school and then learned that there are other things to do. Um, <laughs> And in those days, it was colder than it is now. Um, but I could actually skate to school, which I did regularly. Wow. We had a great, we had a great um, skating rink right on our school property. And the janitor, whose name was Mr. Fitzell, so if there are any Fitzells listening, uh, <laughs> thank you very much for flooding the rink every cold winter morning. So, uh, we played a lot. Nice hockey. And in fact, some of the people that I played hockey with are still my friends. And in fact, um, you know, I do a lot of research and research is very expensive. And So who do I go to for donations? Well, I go to my old hockey friends. Oh, and, wow. and they, uh, they shell out like it's really, it's really amazing how those friendships uh, remain. In fact, One day I was at a high school giving a talk on concussions and a kid came up to me afterwards and he said, you know that picture you showed of your hockey team? And I said, yeah. He says, I think I saw my grandfather in that picture. And when we started (laughs) swapping names and stuff like that, sure enough, it was his grandfather. It was on
3: the
4: hockey team. the only difference was that his grandfather was a star and I was absolutely <laughs> mediocre. <laughs> I, I really did like the game. And um, in fact, um, my mother wasn't too happy one day when I came home with what we used to call a brush cut. Do you do you guys know what a brush cut is? Oh, yeah.
3: It's is it a haircut? Buzzed,
4: right on top? Buzzed? The, absolutely, sh- you know, about one centimeter high.
3: Yeah.
4: Uh, and my mother had a fit. And I said, <laughs> well, don't I look like Howie Meeker? <laughs> I, went, I told the barber I wanted to look like Howie Meeker, who was my idol. so Oh, the awesome. Oh, he's a and good one. He was a great star. Yeah. And the other thing about my charm childhood was that right next door to me, was a family who had two daughters, but no sons. So I sort of became the surrogate son for that family as well. And the, the father was the official photographer for the Toronto Maple Leafs. How do you like that? Oh, and, then, wow. and in those days, photographers got only one, uh, one picture per bulb so they had they had they had those huge cameras with flash bulbs one picture so they needed an assistant to carry the bag of bulbs so i volunteered
1: no way
4: and got to see lots of hockey games rink side of the toronto maple leafs and furthermore we also got to go into the dressing rooms oh, no way. of both teams regularly, so it was it was quite a a great um, hockey bringing up. And the other thing, uh, this photographer who lived next door to me did was to drive me to school with my friends because he left very early, and so did we, so that we could skate. Before class. So that's a lovely memory of getting that's to school. Awesome.
2: Yeah, it was really nice.
4: Morning before class. But, you know, in my day, um, we didn't wear helmets. Uh, our shoulder pads were, you know, just so flimsy, just mm-hmm. to protect our shoulder. The elbow pads were completely soft. And again, it was to protect your elbow. And not to knock somebody out with your elbow. That's right. And we did not wear helmets. And I don't remember anybody on the team, teams that I played for. Even when I was in medical school, I played hockey. And I do not remember anybody getting a concussion. So concussions began to creep into the game as the game got more let's use the word aggressive
3: mm-hmm.
4: yeah. I was going to use the word violent <laughs> that, that is the title of one of the lectures that I've given on hockey no doubt because it did become quite violent yeah and that did cause a lot of trouble a lot more know, high by impact. Trouble, by trouble I mean injuries yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's. I've, I've often that's heard it. Fine. Heard it. Heard it. Put in the, the sense of the, almost like a bell curve when it comes to the violence in the game. How, you know, it started off as a as a as a bit of a gentleman's game and a skilled game, and and the gentleman aspect of the game remained and still remains to a point. Uh, and then it kind of creeped up in the '60s and in the '70s and the '80s to a point where, the aggression and violence was at an all time high. And mm-hmm. then into the nineties, people started feeling the effects and there was more information about concussion and it started to tailor off a little bit, but, mm-hmm. uh, but not, not back to, the, to where we were. And a lot of no. people blame that on the sense that too the game has gotten, there's not unquestionably, the game has gotten a lot faster. The, the, yeah. the players are at an elite level now of their physical specimens rule changes. when it comes to, yeah. yeah. And the rule changes have opened up the game more uh, mm-hmm. players can, can, there's no more two line pass. There's a whole bunch of things, which has made the game faster. And yeah. faster doesn't help when you've got 250-pound men carrying around elbows made of steel, like you said, like you pointed mm-hmm. out. So uh, mm-hmm. it's really interesting to hear you talk about uh, mm-hmm. an era where concussions almost didn't exist in in, in, in yeah. hockey, in particular,
1: right? Even wearing even without wearing helmets. Yeah, it's pretty. It's interesting. So,
4: like you just didn't, you, I, you know, it you never occurred to me to hit somebody in the head. Yeah. No. But why
1: would yeah why would you need to
4: well as ryan was saying the um the game did start accepting violent play Mm -hmm. as being part of the game and there were there were people who encouraged the violence there were people who actually Mm -hmm. made a living off the violence Yep. and i think we know some of those names we don't have to Mm -hmm. talk about them one of them, in particular, has been booted out, and he should have been booted out a long time ago for other infractions. But he finally What's going on, are yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and, um, and I think it's a, I think it's a better game now. It's still, it's still not the finesse that we grew up, that I grew up with. You know, I would like to see more of the skill. Mm-hmm. Now it is faster, absolutely faster, and that me—that is because the legs are longer, and people with longer legs can skate faster.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And uh, speed does translate into injury mm-hmm. because um, the you know the impact is measured in terms of the the mass and the acceleration. Speed, yeah, acceleration mm-hmm. is higher. In the force on the brain on the poor brain is higher and the um the other thing that we should should mention right up front is that the helmet in fact is useless for protecting against concussion now maybe you know that but a lot of players as they come up through the ranks they say well i'm wearing a helmet how could i get a concussion but Every hockey player, every football player uh, that I see in my office who has had concussions has been wearing a helmet. Now, helmets do protect against the more severe brain injuries like blood mm-hmm. clots and torn brain and bruised wow. brain. The Helmets yeah. do protect against all of those, but they do not protect against concussion. We have to use our brains to protect our brains Against mm-hmm. concussion. Right. yeah, amazing. Yeah, I'm curious,
0: doctor. Is is there any kind of is there any kind of modification to the helmet that could be made that would that would? I know you're not going to prevent concussion, but is there any kind of a modification that could help uh, with with the impact to the head uh, to, to stop that initial shock or that shaking yeah. of, of the head?
4: Yeah. Uh, well, that's a good question, and a lot of people have tried. To make a helmet that would be concussion proof. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know Mark Messier? Yeah. Yep. Of course. Most. So, a hockey great. When he retired, he went into the helmet business and he made, I think it was called Cascade Company and Mission Helmet. Um, Mission, yeah. And unfortunately, it cost him about a million bucks because his company made the claim that it was a concussion-proof helmet. It was yeah. to prevent concussion. It was right in their advertising. And he got caught because that was not, that was false advertising. Mm-hmm. It was false advertising. He was charged and he, was, he had to pay a fine of a million dollars, I'm told. Because that helmet did not protect against concussion. Hmm. And nobody has been able to make a helmet that protects against concussion. Maybe there is some attenuation of force by the helmet, but it doesn't prevent the jiggle of the brain. The brain. Yeah. And when, when I go into um, classrooms and speak to younger kids uh, and I, I bring what, what I call the jello brain and because that is the best example of what the brain is like. So when we expose the brain at surgery, it's literally like jello. jello. Wow. And that delicate and, um, it it, and when the jello jiggles like just picture someone jiggling the plate of jello that's what happens when the brain is concussed it jiggles and no matter how many helmets you put on top of the head it can still feeling it's still going to jiggle inside so that's the problem so i think we i think the bottom line is we have to be smarter in terms of preventing concussions than trying to build a better helmet. Mm-hmm. Although I'm not yeah. I don't want to discourage any great engineers mm-hmm. who are in the audience who think they can do it. So 100%. Go right ahead. The field well, I, uh, is open.
0: I came up through, an, uh, through a career of uh, working strongly in occupational health and safety uh, in, 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 in industry. And uh, one of the key things that's always thrown out at uh, safety meetings is your PPE or in in, for a hockey player, which would be your helmet is your last line of defense. And that shouldn't be what you focus on as the key thing to stop an injury. You need to look at ways of engineering out the problem, uh, administration, administering policies, rules, regulations Mm -hmm. that decrease your chances of running into a problem to begin with. So, when I when I think of it from an, an OSH perspective, that's exactly how I view the hockey equipment. It's just your last line of defense. There should be a whole bunch of things in succession that leads to that before the concussion yeah. is 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 left to the to, to helmet to protect it.
1: So, which is, I guess, was yeah. No, I'm I was going to say, wasn't that that's essentially Rowan's law, though, is it not? You know what I mean? Having these these policies in place now.
4: Well, I think that's a good uh, a good. Um, conclusion that something like Rowan's law is going to help and I believe that it is going to help because my view is that education does make a difference that if you tell people what can happen to you if you crash your elbow into someone's head or if you are blindsided and get knocked into the boards head first. Like if you warn people about, you know, how to approach the boards, you never go at a right angle, like straight into the board. You always go at an angle. We put out a video trying to teach, you know, that maneuver going at an angle towards the boards. And we had had some great hockey players uh, who helped us with that video, which is still being shown around the country? And um, the point of approaching the boards at a at an angle rather than straight on is so important. Keep reminding people that because the boards are continue to be a huge problem, mm-hmm. huge problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah. yeah,
0: they're not getting any softer. Yeah
1: no if i wonder it
0: hasn't changed the constant has always been there the boards have always been hard yeah <laughs> so, i wonder yeah. if
1: there's is there a way they can implement some kind of um you know system where the boards aren't so stiff shock absorption yeah I mean, like I shock absorption i think they're probably already in there you there can see flex. them you can see them move yeah i wonder if there's i know it won't won't pre- probably prevent anything, but it could, it might not help, enough to you know? go ahead first. Yeah, right. It, yeah. it would still happen, I'm sure, because those injuries are not the injuries, the incidents, I should say, are still going to happen, but it might just help with the impact.
4: Who well, I, I think you're right. I think if someone was really clever. Uh, they could put, build more shock absorption into mm-hmm. the parts. They've actually yeah. done that with the plexiglass. So if you hit the plexiglass part, like above the boards, there is some give to the Yes, party. you can there see it. There wasn't initially, but they insisted on that uh, ultimately. And so I don't know why they couldn't do the same thing with the boards. I think they've been asleep on that issue. And the other issue that they've been asleep on in terms of the big leagues, like we're talking about who's been at fault here, I think we mm. have to you know, put blame where blame is deserved. When the NHL was expanding, we made a big pitch that they should insist on every new team building an arena that was international rink size. Uh, you know what I mean by international? Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. mm-hmm. size, Olympic size. Yep. Yeah. And the NHL refused, you know why? Money. They can make more money per square foot if they keep the rink small. And That's terrible in my view. The rink should be international size. And we've we've actually done a mathematical calculation of how many concussions could be saved if the rinks were bigger, uh, international size. There are far fewer collisions in international size rinks yeah. than in the regular size North American rink. It was a big, big mistake. And I think it is symptomatic of the fact that, that uh, some of the professional leagues just have not gotten serious about preventing concussions. And I don't know if you read Ken Dryden's books uh, about um opportunities missed mm-hmm. to like he wrote he wrote a book about um well the last one that I read was on Steve montador.
3: Right. do you
4: know that name yes, yes. Yep.
3: Yep.
4: so yep. uh unfortunately, you know he died at age thirty five and um I was a good friend of his father's. And in fact, I met Steve um, before he uh, became so ill and um, he, uh, in fact, I saw him score a goal one day because I went to the, I went to an NHL game where he was playing and I went with his father and we went to the dressing room afterwards and um, talked to him for a while and he was he showed you know showed me his cheek he had a fractured cheek and um i made some suggestions of what he could do to try to get rid of the numbness from his fracture which was you know playing hockey and then um when he died his father made sure that we got the brain to examine and then that became The topic of Ken Dryden's book, where he chronicled the life of uh, Steve Montador and indicated how many concussions he had. In fact, I counted in his medical records that he had had 19 that I could count. Wow. That's
1: crazy.
4: I'm sure it was a greater number. And he was one of the younger people who showed CTE in his brain. Uh, at autopsy, so that was very tragic. Well, maybe we should uh, yeah.
0: maybe we should go into some some definition of these these things for the average person, because I know until we booked this, mm-hmm. this 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 talk, I knew very very little. I knew what a lot of concussion was, and
4: mm-hmm. I knew that
0: they were dangerous. And mm-hmm. after that, the rest is uh, is history. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I really, as a young man, I like to think I'm fairly well educated. I've played sports my entire life. Uh, that's as much as I knew about concussions. Um so what I'd be curious, and I'm sure a lot of people are, um CTE, Doctor. What what is the from a diagnosis perspective, I guess, uh what what is CTE?
4: So let's put it in context of the complications of concussions. Okay. So what are the complications of concussions? So the first one that most people encounter is called persisting concussion symptoms or PCS. We used to call it post-concussion syndrome. It means people who don't get better after a concussion. So a concussion is the mildest Mm -hmm. of the types of brain injuries, but it's the most common. And then the next level up is where you don't get better from your concussion And at one month, instead of calling it um, concussion, we call it persisting concussion symptoms. So one month is now considered the dividing line between those two. Mm -hmm. And some people with the persisting symptoms can have it persist for only another two weeks or another two months, and then they're all better. And they feel that the brain has healed. Other people... other people take years to recover. I see wow. people in my office who are still having symptoms of concussion 10 years after a concussion. So even though a concussion is at the mild end of the, of the spectrum, it can last a long time. So the next, the next complication of concussion after persisting concussion symptoms is what we call second impact syndrome We can come back to that later. Yeah, sure. And that's what Rowan Stringer, that Kylie mentioned,
3: Mm -hmm.
4: uh, died of. Um, That's another complication of concussion. CTE is the end stage, it's the last of the complications, the one that everybody is worried about. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that. Yes, CTE does happen. CTE stands for chronic, which means that it's not something that happens quickly. It takes time. So chronic, traumatic, encephalopathy. Well, encephalopathy just means something's wrong with the brain. So it's a very nonspecific term, but it means usually years later or even decades after you've got a whole bunch of concussions, your brain shows more aging, more wear and tear than if you hadn't had those concussions, mm-hmm. it, it can come on early. We have seen evidence of CTE in even teenagers who have been multiply concussed, but typically wow. it doesn't happen Till a player reaches 50s, 60s, 70s, even 80s. And the amazing thing is that some players can handle 10 or 20 or 30 concussions and not show any signs of CTE. And as time goes on, as we study this condition more and more, we see that it really doesn't affect a whole lot of athletes. I'm not downplaying it. but no. when, when we started, we thought, well, this is going to be quite common among the multiply concussed athletes because just as we said, the hockey game has gotten much more violent and players like Steve Montador are having you know, 19 concussions that we count by the time he's 35. So um, some players have dozens of concussions and don't get CTE. And some players have a half a dozen concussions and can get CTE. So there's some, there are other factors, which we have not figured out yet. CTE is, a, is still very mysterious. I've, I use the word mysterious because we have not got these mysteries solved about why some get it and others don't.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: And we've proven that. Like we, 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 were, we were, you know, we, I mentioned we have this brain donation research mm-hmm. project where Ooh. we ask, professional players to donate their brains when they're finished with them. <laughs> course, we're not advocating premature... No. Don- <laughs> no. So when okay. with, okay. Give it to us because we want to examine it and see what is doing in people who have played professional sports, whether it's mm. football or hockey or whatever, um, as long as it's an impact sport. So we haven't got enough money to study tennis players, for example, because it costs us a fortune to do this research. It's not like to examine one brain. It costs us several thousand dollars. Wow. Wow. So, um, so we have one particular brain of a professional athlete who played, uh, football and, um, he had dozens of concussions that he and his family recorded and uh, knocked out several times. And when we examined his brain and he was an extremely successful businessman in his later years and he lived to the ripe old age of about 80, there wasn't a whiff of CTE. Like no nothing. nothing. That's weird. I mean, So there's an example of somebody who had a very big career in professionals, impact sports, and he didn't get CTE. Like we proved he didn't have symptoms of CTE, had no evidence of CTE at autopsy. So wow. that is the mystery of CTE. It exists, but we don't know what percentage of people are going to get it. Mm-hmm. And we don't know exactly why they get it, what were the factors, you know, what other conditions that they have that might have led to it, is it something in their genes, yeah. uh, we just don't know, but it is, it is one of the hottest areas of research in, in this field.
0: Okay. Uh, correct me uh, if I'm wrong, doctor. You, you can't diagnose CTE until post-mortem, until after death, correct?
4: Is that-, is that... Absolutely correct. Okay. That's, yeah. the, that's one of the other things that is still mysterious, that it, you can't separate it clinically. In other words, if somebody, in fact, somebody the other day asked me, well, how many times have you made the diagnosis of someone who's come to see you and you, have, you end up telling them That they have CTE. And so I thought about that. And do you know what? I have never told anybody who's come to see me because they're suffering from the after effects of concussion that I think you have CTE because we do not know how to recognize it in the living. It is still a diagnosis that can only be made on the autopsy table,
3: mm.
0: yeah, crazy. That is that is crazy. Now, what about what about concussions themselves? When it comes to diagnosing a concussion, um, I'm assuming the, te- the technology has gotten better. Mm. I, I sure hope so, Doctor. <laughs> in your time in
4: the field, but... you know what? Let me stop you right there. Oh, gotten... probably hasn't. Oh, it no. has
1: it's not... just
4: it has not gotten better now. We're we're getting close. I feel that some, maybe somebody listening to the podcast is going to say, "Ah, oh, I have got the answer." But <laughs> we've tried EEG. We've tried MRI. Uh, the CAT scan is useless. <laughs> uh, we've tried PET scanning. We've tried magnetic encephalography. We have tried probably 50 different types of tests and they all fail. The only, the only certain way is by clinical examination. In other words, the diagnosis of CTE of I'm sorry, the diagnosis of concussion requires two, two. factors. It requires a patient who's going to tell the truth and it's going to be an observer who knows what he or she is doing. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a patient who wants to hide the fact that they've had a concussion, you can hide it. If you get asked, well, do you have headaches? Do you have light sensitivity? Do you have mm-hmm. dizziness? And if you, if you answer no, and you've still got all of the symptoms, it may be that that doctor or nurse that you're talking to isn't going to recognize that you've had a concussion. So you have you have to tell the truth. And with young people like Rowan Stringer, for example, she didn't tell anybody. Yeah. She did not tell. She except, and the only way we found out that she had had previous concussions before she had her final fatal um, head injury and died of second impact syndrome, the only way we found that out was at the inquest.
0: Mm, I read about that.
4: And at the inquest, the detective assigned to the inquest, because every inquest has a detective, to try to figure out why the person died. That's the purpose Mm -hmm. of it. I said, it isn't to lay blame, but it is to sit, find. And the doctors who looked after her when she died and they couldn't save her life, they were all scratching their heads. Why did, why did she die? So everybody who looked after her said, we need an autopsy. We need an inquest. And fortunately, the parents were very broad minded. Um, Gordon and Kathleen uh, Stringer and they agreed to have um, an autopsy and then they agreed to go for the inquest and at the inquest we found out from the detective who downloaded her cell phone and all the symptoms of concussion were there when she told her friends what she was suffering from. Wow. Oh, wow. She, was the, she was the captain of her rugby team. She felt, I just have to play in this game. I'm the captain. I'm not going to wimp out. What and she told no adults mm-hmm. that she had headaches, that she had oh, dizziness, and wow. suffering from the previous concussion that she'd had. Uh, on a Friday and then on a Monday and then it was on the on the Wednesday immediately after that that she had her final fatal injury wow. um, playing rugby. So yeah. the message to young people is that they have to tell. They have to be compliant. They have to tell. Yeah. And the part of the Rowan's law is that everybody connected with sports should learn how to recognize concussion so the emphasis yes. is on the word recognize. we don't expect you know a, a teammate we don't expect a parent we don't expect the teacher to make the diagnosis but we no. do now expect them to know how the to symptoms. recognize concussion and That's if right. you recognize that the player may have a concussion you should take them to a doctor or to a nurse Who can make the diagnosis?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, all of us have young kids essentially who are playing hockey. So it's nice to be made aware of those signs and symptoms that we should be looking for because like ryan because like ryan said before this last few weeks when we booked this this meeting with you i didn't know i mean i knew a, a blow to the head could lead to a concussion but other than feeling dizziness and headaches i had no idea
4: so i want you guys to to be enlisted in the concussion army because the concussion army needs to march uh, we only have concussion laws in Ontario like yes. why, Newfoundland? why not in Quebec, why not in DC there should be concussion legislation across the country it shouldn't yeah. be left to chance, it shouldn't no. be left to the leagues
3: no. to
4: make all the decisions and to Make all the rules and to enforce the, yes, they have to be enforcing you know proper playing. Uh, penalties have to be assigned properly when someone is whacking mm-hmm. other people around with his elbows or or stick. but mm-hmm. the rule but the the you know the legislation should come from the government. So we should have concussion legislation in every province. Yes. There is concussion legislation of some sort in all fifty states in the u s, although you know the us isn't the uh, isn't uh, the only uh, good place where things happen. <laughs> Bad things happen there too, but they're ahead of us in terms of recognizing the importance of concussion and having concussion legislation. And one thing I really like about the legislation, like if you want to play hockey in Ontario now, you have to sign a code of ethics. Wow. Ethical play. What do we mean by that? Well, we mean that you're that you're knowledgeable about concussion, that you're not going to whack people over the head with your stick, that you are going to abide by... The, the rules of the game. And that should be, you know, we like that to be done at the time parents register um, kids for mm-hmm. sports like hockey, football, mm-hmm. and make sure that they understand the, the the rules of play and the code of conduct, and they have to sign. So wow. that's part of the legislation. So go for it. yeah Yeah. definitely
1: and any tips on like who we should be like trying to contact to get the ball rolling because we did look into this obviously before meeting with you what laws were in newfoundland and the only thing that we could find was um something from a couple years ago that was one of the promises the liberal liberal party made for votes was they were going to implement a concussion legislation or whatnot anyway there's never been any word on it since well, so you know, yeah, we've been trying to figure out. Has anything been done with is this or
2: anything? Yeah,
1: yeah.
4: Do you know how long it took us in Ontario? Ugh. In fact, I think I mentioned. I, I I'm not sure I mentioned it in the paper, but I was I was going to mention in the paper that I wrote about Rowan Stringer that in she she died in 2013. And I was um, part of a group in 2012 that went to the government of Ontario and said, look, there's too much violence in sports. We need some rules and regulations and the leagues aren't doing it. So it should be legislation. And they said, you know what, you're right. We're going to introduce legislation. And in 2013, I think in January, the government fell a, and they changed over they pro, what they, 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 they did what's called proroguing while they figured out who's going to be premier the next and all that. And the bill for concussion legislation fell off the table. Another, which means that they didn't go, they didn't reintroduce it at the next session of Parliament. We never found out what happened, why they didn't reintroduce it. So in 2013, when Rowan Stringer had her fatal injury, she might have been saved if that government had gone yeah. through with their intention. Yeah, really? But they didn't and she died. And in 20. Fourteen, they didn't, In 2015, they didn't. But they did introduce wow. school-based rules. Mm-hmm. They had, they did second best. They introduced school-based rules, so they caught a lot of kids that way. And then finally, finally, in 2018, we we put so much pressure on that they passed it. In other words, wow, it doesn't happen without pressure. No. So, and like,
1: we're we're literally nobodies essentially you are like the the the, the yeah. doctor of brains and well, i think you, know
4: we- what? <laughs> you, find, you find out if phala maroon
1: yes that's why i got his you know name what? right here actually yeah. find
4: out if he's still in action and uh, he will help you i okay. guarantee it or fi- if he's still not Practicing, find out who the neurosurgeon is,
1: is yep. who
4: is practicing at St. John's Regional Hospital. Is it, or is it, no, Saint Clair's. Saint St. St. Clears. health, signs, or yeah. or health yeah. science. Sorry. Health 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 right, science. The health science. Health Science Center. Yep. Yeah, yeah Saint John's Regional is the other Saint John.
1: Saint John, yeah. in Brunswick.
4: Brunswick. So, yep. find out who's the head of neurosurgery at um, Memorial. Yep. And. I'm sure you can enlist that person to help with, with if you want to pursue that. Yeah, I think I it think it be. saves I think it saves lives. I think I, I even
1: know. just the education alone for young kids and, and even the parents to know. I, I feel like I want to say that this poor young girl, Rowan, had she known the repercussions, I will say, of her injuries, she probably wouldn't have played. But she didn't know how serious they were. And like Uh, I said, had that happened uh, in 2012, she could probably still be here.
0: One thing that was brought forward in the investigation, from what I gather, is that one of the text messages she sent to a friend uh, included details of her saying, I googled what is a concussion, and I think I may Mm. have a concussion. So she was even to the point where she knew something was wrong. She looked into it herself and said, I do have a concussion. But again, not enough Education and information to, out there know. Before, to make yeah. an, an educated I've decision how to the child that was you know
4: yeah. um, I think I that think would be
0: a great time then to talk about roland 's law it 's not a huge piece of legislation i mean we 're talking about on a sheet of paper five laws yeah. that are the key components of the legislation yeah. Uh, yeah doctor did you want to did you want to discuss that, or I can read it out certainly if you if you like, but
4: go ahead um,
0: yeah i uh, I have it here in front of me, uh so the four key points provided under roland 's law is. Uh, to provide education on sports-related concussions to athletes, coaches, and parents. Uh, Removing a child or youth athlete from play if a concussion is suspected. Uh, Ensuring a child or youth does not return to play until he or she has received medical clearance. That's Mm -hmm. a key one. And ensuring appropriate return to learn and return to play strategies are in place.
4: So there's your four
0: key points to Rowan's Law from from what I can take
4: yeah other things have been added too over the over the over the period of time since the law came in in 2018 there have been some regulations that are attached to the law that we're actually following on from the legislation and one of them which is really wonderful is that every third wednesday in September.
1: September, yes, I read this.
4: Will be Rowan's Law Day.
1: Yes, in Ontario, isn't it?
4: In Ontario. Yes,
1: I I was reading that.
4: But I I was just informed that the Federal Ministry of Sport, so this, you know, sport is primarily, well, the federal role in sport often is focused on elite athletes, but there are other parts of the federal, um, m- federal work in sports. But um, one of the things that they have done is to say that there will be a week in September where concussions will be emphasized across the country. It won't be called Rowan's Law Day because the, there's no law in the rest of the country. Mm-hmm. But Rowan's name will be associated with that week-long awesome. attention awesome. given to uh-huh. schools across yes. the country. But, it is, but it's even better to have the legislation. Oh, it's oh, important enough that we should put teeth into it by by having legislation. So go for it.
1: Yep, yeah, leave it with us.
4: <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: especially now that we're all, we have your contact information. So,
4: yeah, when we need, when we need we'll be in touch if we. we... <laughs> 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 well, that would be great. I'd love to help you. <laughs> because
1: it's, well, uh, it, it's something that definitely needs to change here for sure. And not just Newfoundland, but all the other provinces as well.
4: Yeah, oh, that would be wonderful. It was, it was every province in the country. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: And 100%. So, uh...
2: Where I'm definitely like trying to uh, get familiar and spotting uh, concussions because I'm involved in my children's monitor hockey. I have two small kids, a girl and a, a boy in hockey. Mm-hmm. And going through uh, getting ready for this podcast here tonight, I was uh, going through some stats and facts. And one thing I did not ever hear anything about is that it seems like females are more susceptible to getting concussions than males. And I have a female in hockey, so I'm going to be watching her pretty like a hawk. <laughs>
3: <laughs> like for
2: the rest of my days, but that 's one thing I never did understand, or i was just never had enough time to look into it, if I could find the reasons for it but um you know women um, women 's ice hockey gets more concussions than men's ice hockey, and they don 't have body checking
4: absolutely right uh, it 's something wow. that was really startling when it was brought out through research that women are more susceptible to concussions in um, hockey and in basketball and, and gradually soccer. more those were the first two that were flagged and gradually more now that's on a you know participation base of the number of women who, pers- who participate uh, and get concussions against the number of men who participate and get concussions. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the other thing about women's concussions and it and it doesn't matter whether they're sports related or otherwise, because you know women get lots of concussions in motor vehicle crashes and in um, and in other other ways as well. Uh, but in um, but the but the the reason that we think women are more susceptible is because there's more movement of the brain within the skull Mm -hmm. so why do you think there could be more movement because i know the reason but i just want to see if you guys can guess um i didn't know what would
1: it be be something to do with like obviously anatomy but like i don't know hormones or anything that sounds kind of silly that's
4: a good point because we think maybe hormones have something to do with mm-hmm. how long a concussion lasts because that's the other thing about women's concussions that is very important that they do last longer that the, the symptoms, more severe the more mm. symptoms and that may be that they're more severe that's a very good conclusion but the mechanism we still haven't mentioned i i have guessed at it and i think i'm right but do you have any guesses of why, apart from hormones, and that may, may be a factor in the, how long the symptoms last, but the actual susceptibility to concussion, why? Any ideas?
0: Well, I know my wife is super stubborn, doctor. I don't know if that's right. <laughs> <laughs> she might <sighs> more. Shh, don't I problem. hope she's not
4: listening to this. Well, she also
0: told me, she said, do not mention my tiny female brain. <laughs>
4: Well, <laughs> it actually has something to do with tiny neck muscles. Stability, right?
1: Yeah. I was going to say, Chad, you if, said that, didn't you? you
4: yeah. If you look at Kylie's neck well, and you look at Chad's neck, so who has the bigger neck? <laughs> I hope I do. <laughs> so, women's necks, so. The neck muscles are not as well developed as they are in males. And that's yeah. something that, that women are born with. That's just the way it is. But yep. that doesn't have to be the way it is because you can strengthen your neck muscles. So for women competing in uh, contact sports and hockey, no matter whether body checking is allowed or not, mm-hmm. there's still plenty of body checking in women's hockey, although oh, definitely yeah. there is so-called unintentional, but it does happen. <laughs> Uh, and And women get concussed in other ways, so to prevent that and why does strengthening the neck muscles uh reduce the incidence of concussions well there 's less movement mm-hmm. of the brain like if you get hit when you 're mm-hmm. not you're not suspecting it the, the, the brain back, yeah. that. and that 's what causes concussion that 's rotational. Acceleration or linear acceleration, less commonly, Um, and you can avoid that or or reduce that if your muscles are nice and strong, so that there isn't going to be the bobble. Yeah, and that kind of brace yourself. Brace yourself with your neck muscles. Yeah, and and, um, that can be improved by doing neck muscle strengthening exercises, especially of the isometric type. I like the yeah. isometric type of mm-hmm. neck muscle strengthening exercises. And every all of
1: us are gonna be doing our <laughs>
4: stretches now. <laughs> yeah. Tell your daughter and, and, and you can look up isometric neck muscle strengthening. Exercises. I've done them. You'll see what there's there's just you know they're very simple exercises, four, four basic exercises. I'm yeah.
1: writing this down.
0: Well, for any potential coaches or current coaches out there who are coaching women's hockey, junior women's hockey, take that into consideration. It's not something yeah. that's, mm-hmm. that's done, it's not part of the curriculum. It's a simple thing that can be done in the locker room on the ice as a warm up. If that yeah. was a simple, regular procedure that all young girls got into the habit of doing from peewee up, they would do it after yeah. their adult years and it could potentially save a life even. So,
1: 100%.
0: Uh, I really like that point that's fantastic yeah. so doctor i'm just curious since we're talking about advice do you have any advice for parents who have kids in sport when it comes to um things to watch uh not even necessarily symptoms but the thing, things to keep an eye on as, as your kids progress through sport
4: well i would um keep an eye on the number of hits that they that they get to the head to the
1: head yeah. Uh,
4: and if a kid starts you know complaining that he can't concentrate in class and he can't add up the figures as well as he used to, and he he takes him longer to write an exam and and he's had a uh too many knocks because the other thing we haven't talked about you know concussions are not easy to diagnose like we've we've mentioned that. The um, there's no test yet, there's no blood test. We're hoping, for example, that it'll be something as simple as a, as a blood test or even what's being tested is saliva. Like if you could spit into a test tube but yeah. tell you if you've had a concussion or not, that's what we're hoping will happen someday, but it hasn't happened yet. Um, but if everybody is aware of what the possible symptoms are, and especially, you know, one of the big, one of the big problems is memory. And if if a kid says, you know, I can't, I can't remember, you know, whether C comes before B or whatever, um, that's a, a real danger signal if it affects memory. Um, Confusion. There are about. 65 symptoms in fact of concussion so even though it is a clinical diagnosis Mm -hmm. you know you don't have to be einstein to remember 10 or 12 symptoms and then like kid complains of dizziness or uh, children often complain for example of a a stomachache adults with concussion almost never have a stomachache but kids Let's say under the age of 10 who get a concussion often complain of a stomach ache. Hmm. Uh,
1: I wonder is that the dizziness, maybe making yeah, them the, feel the, sick?
4: The nausea, maybe. Like, yeah, that yeah. Might be related to dizziness makes them feel sick to the stomach.
1: Yeah, they, maybe. They,
4: they, they interpret a that as something about
0: it. Who's the brain surgeon here? Are you, Carly, or something? <laughs> uh, <listen. laughs>
3: I know everything now.
1: I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'm just going to apply now over to the apply for a job now over to the hospital <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's a a term, there's a term which we've been skirting around a little bit in this topic uh sub concussive hits is something that that has come up in my reading, which I kind of think I understand but I'd, I'd like to for you to elaborate on that term because i I'm not hundred percent sure
4: well here's well you're not alone in not being sure about it because we're not sure about it oh well good. <laughs> the the concussion expert community hasn't decided what is a sub-concussion. The, the best way to think of it is that it's a hit that doesn't produce all the symptoms of concussion. Um, in fact, it may produce no symptoms. It was just a hit. So, for example the many of the leagues in contact sports have done away with hitting practices like in in football especially they yeah. now practice without equipment on and they don't allow any hitting so they're just doing passing and and blocking and whatever but no impact So can we do that in hockey? Can we have practices that eliminate collisions entirely? Mm -hmm. Now, that's probably a bit of a stretch in hockey because you've got the hard ice to deal with, you've got the boards to deal with, but that's the goal, to reduce the number of impacts because the theory is that maybe impacts below the... Intensity of what produces a concussion are also important. Like maybe 20 sub concussions adds up to one concussion in terms of wear and tear on the brain. We haven't got a definition of what is a sub concussion other than it's a blow that's less than what was would have been required to cause a question.
0: A, a jarring, nonetheless. Yeah. Okay. It's a jarring,
2: yeah. nonetheless. Exactly. It's something yeah. to keep an ear out for going forward.
0: Yep. Yeah. Definitely. I'm glad that you got to that because I—that I, was in my reading the one thing that kind of stood out to me as something that a term, was kind of gray, never. for lack of a better word. It was just a gray the, area. You know, the
4: jury is out on that whether we should worry about that or not. So we just don't know. That's another
0: mystery yeah there's a lot of mysteries around us and that's that's why that's why it's such a fascinating topic i think what we should do though guys is move on to the nhl because we've been we've been talking about we've got rowan's law pretty much covered we didn't even try (laughs) (laughs) which is great um but i think we'll slide into the nhl and maybe just touch on rowan's uh situation a little bit at near the end but when it comes to the nhl and where we are currently today um first and foremost thing that i wanted to talk about before we get to the nhl was your uh your induction into the uh, order of canada and order of hockey in canada more in particular and 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 your reaction to time ta- at the time when you were when you were received notification that you were going to be inducted into the order of hockey in canada and what that meant to you and maybe who reached out to you to let you know is, is what i'm really curious about
4: well um that's a good question. It just happened uh, about uh, a year, a year ago, and because of COVID, in fact, the celebration for uh, me being named um, as uh, you know a worthy worthy of an award by Hockey Canada, uh, so we didn't have a celebration because of COVID. But uh, it, no gala. Yeah, there was no gala, uh, but. It was a very meaningful thing for me, of course, to be recognized because uh, of my work in hockey. And uh, we didn't mention how I got started, which was when I was um, early on in practice and had to look after hockey players who were in wheelchairs because of hockey. Yeah. Wow. So there I was, a hockey fan, having to look after youngsters who were paralyzed playing the game I love. Hmm. That was really tough to deal with. Can imagine. And so we figured out what was breaking their necks in hockey was being hit from behind into the boards when they were unsuspecting
3: mm-hmm. and,
4: crack- and by the time they hit the boards they're like if, if this is the boards they would hit horizontally they would have been upended from behind hit yeah. into the boards head first and the poor neck even if they did neck muscle strengthening exercise can't withstand yeah. that type of force and the oh, neck yeah. the bones come apart or shatter, and crush the spinal cord, and I had to put the pieces back together again. And one winter, we saw I think four young hockey players paralyzed. Can you imagine that? From hockey. And so we went on a campaign across the country. It was with a whole bunch of people who were really keen to preserve the game of hockey, people like Dr. Tom Pashby, who was an ophthalmologist who took an interest in saving people's vision in racket sports. That's how he got started in sports injury prevention, because he decided that people should be wearing protective glasses he was a first in advocating so that's that measure of wearing protective glasses for example in handball or in squash saved countless people from going blind Mm -hmm. playing sports like that so we teamed up and went on a campaign to prevent broken necks in hockey and I think that was part of what Hockey Canada was saying when they made me the awardee for that for that award um, because we really did reduce the incidence. I'd like to say we eliminated broken necks in hockey, yeah. but there is still you know one or two a year across the country, but when it was at its maximum we we Put together a registry, and showed that as many as 18 broken necks across the country occurred wow. because. Of walking and May
1: because- I? I was going to ask. Sorry, it was—is that the whole stop checking from behind with the stop yeah. sign? Oh,
2: back true. in New Jersey.
1: Yeah, because yeah. actually, never, I when I was playing, yeah, when yeah. I was playing minor hockey, I remember when that all got implemented because we yeah. never had it before, and then we had to do a checking clinic on how to properly check.
4: Was yeah. that all you? <laughs> well, Kylie, I wish I could say it was me that started the stop sign. It was not. <laughs> Some, it was another person whose name I've forgotten. But it was because of the awareness of checking mm-hmm. behind
3: yeah. that
4: he did that. So, yeah, you know, you could draw. You could draw the line because it was like. Two or three years later, he said, I know how to do that. Well, <laughs> a stop. At. So that was brilliant. Yeah. A strategy yeah. To make sure that that message kept resonating with kids. Mm-hmm. They could see it on the back of the sweater. That last
1: second yep. reminder, if you needed yeah, it. That,
0: that was our generation yep. that, that seen that, and, and we were heavily educated coming up through sport that not only was it dangerous,
4: it was mm-hmm.
0: also on and that's yes. me because as yeah. as an athlete, no matter who you are, no matter if you're the biggest rat in the NHL, you yeah. still don't want to be viewed as the guy who's not sportsmanlike. No. Yeah. Yeah. And and putting that stigma on a hit from behind changed everything. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, like Carly said, the patch was a last line of defense as a reminder: don't yeah. be a jerk. And uh, and and it really did uh, mold the way that we that we've looked at broken necks. So now we move on to. Concussions. How do we? How how, how do we? Yeah, we got a
1: we got a stop sign on the jersey. So now we need uh like a stop something, signs something on, on like, like yeah, more stop jersey. signs on the helmet or something.
4: <laughs> well, you know, maybe that would be good to reintroduce the stop sign. Put it on the helmet. That's that, that's a great idea. I think. Stop complacency. We got something here. Let's start let's start it in Newfoundland. No, she's yeah, a, now it. she's a brain surgeon
0: and a marketing expert. Put a stop it. sign on the helmet.
4: Uh, don't put your elbow in my head. Don't put your remember Scott Stevens with
2: Oh, I know. Phil Scott Stevens. Scott, yeah.
4: Shoulder pads. You know, why haven't they reduced the armor of the shoulder pads and the elbow pads? We've asked the NHL to do that. For many years, we came close, uh, but not. We haven't accomplished that. Why don't they? You know, when I played hockey, the shoulder pad was to protect my shoulder, not to knock mm-hmm. somebody out. Same with the elbow. Pad. Right. Why don't they go back to soft shoulder pads and soft elbow pads? Mm-hmm. You know, it just doesn't make sense. No, no,
1: so I agree. So
4: that's a, that's a big problem. The NHL is a problem just like the NFL was a problem for football the NHL is a problem they haven't really taken concussions seriously and unfortunately the lawsuit that the players instituted
3: Mm -hmm.
4: against NHL didn't accomplish what the football players accomplished it is. no it was like a pittance that they were that they put forward they didn't accept any blame and they you know provided a very minimal amount of money because you know the people whose brains are wrecked by repetitive concussion very often end up homeless like great yeah. hockey players end up homeless
1: yeah. because of the
4: brain damage. So um, the and the NHL just has not come to grips with the fact that there's a continuing Major problem. Yes, they did get rid of the enforcer. Like you don't find any enforcers anymore. Did you notice not that? Not so much. Yeah. No, not
1: so. There's there's still a couple I find kicking around, but, but they're, they're, not, on you know, they're
4: on the they're, they're,
1: they're on the edge of retirement. Yeah. yeah, they got to play like, hockey too.
4: Like that. That is a, an you know a recognizable effort on the part of the. I don't know that it was Gary Bettman or the team owners or the NHL Players Association that got rid of the enforcers, but that has, that's a recognizable, you know, concession mm-hmm. on the part of the NHL. We, and, you know, we don't go, like the last NHL game that I went to before the COVID locked down. Um I had to look away several times because I just couldn't take the sight of mm. someone getting concussed. Yeah. And and you know what? I I purposely don't go to my seat until the game is started. Because pre-game they still show the big hits mm-hmm. for like and a big pump up, right? Big pump up. Includes yep. The biggest, most damaging hits imaginable. And there they are being shown to the audience. Now, if you excuse the expression, that is brainless. That. <laughs> no <Yeah>. pun
1: intended. <laughs> absolutely no, i agree uh, though we've
0: did a little bit of digging as well i should say we i like to take the credit but the young lady down the bottom uh, uh she, <laughs> she got to take the credit for this uh prior to you coming on today she went back through she's our stats girl she loves statistics and numbers and, <laughs> and and doing the, the dirty digging so she dug back through uh the last 20 years of hockey actually and yep. looked at the number of fights in the nhl and again we talked about a curve earlier and we we came to a, a very startling realization. Carly, do you want to talk about the numbers or do you want me to go through them?
1: Um, well, I can just, I'll throw them out really quick. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't get, I couldn't go back really far on the one website I had there. Um, so it did go back as far as the year 2000. So, I mean, that was 20, 20, 20 years. years ago now. Back then there was 38% of the games had at least one fight. So that's you know close to half.
4: I got um, right 38 Okay.
1: 38% of the games yep. had at least had at least one fighting major. Yep. So it it was actually and it it worked out to be 0.56 fights per game. Yeah. Okay. And and then it it went as far as 2018-19. It it cut off there sadly, but uh it still gives us a good idea. There was sorry. Hold on. Where did I write it down to? Sixteen percent. Sixteen point seven four percent of the games had fights in in the last two years. So So there's a difference. Thirty eight percent compared to sixteen percent
4: in twenty years. Good for you for doing that research. That's that's terrific. That's the type Mm -hmm. of you know that should be put out um, for public consumption. Cause it's show that those are NHL games, right? NHL they
1: are games. NHL games. Now I will say, now I did also have for those two years, they had the total fights, um, in the year 2000 to 2001, there were 684 fights
4: Oh my goodness. in about,
1: <laughs> there's about 1200 or so games, a little over 1200 games in a, in a full season that's 684 fights in the year 1819 which was the most recent one that i could get all the info for there was only 238 fights what
4: okay. was the last year uh 1819
1: 2018 2019. 2018 2019 so but it's 18 years in the difference
2: Fantastic. Um, so
1: 280 200 sorry 238 fights as opposed to 684, 18 years prior, but get this so far this season, we're only, what did we say guys? 30, 36
0: games in 36,
1: 36, 36, 37 games in per team. You know Uh, they're already at 314 fights this season.
0: So this Definitely. one season the curve has absolutely turned upside down yeah now, there's a lot of theories behind that as well you know i
1: think it's because it's like mini playoff series
0: yes so teams are playing each other yeah. more frequently more often so you got instead of playing edmonton once you played in four games in a row so there's a lot of built-up tension, tension frustration, and yeah. then it comes Honestly, out yeah. in the form of violence
4: yeah so, but it's, so it's going back up again yeah this, yeah oh this, this big
1: year time only. this year only. yeah
3: and, They're uh, saying next
1: season it it'll go back to the to the proper or the normal uh what's the word guys uh
0: normal statistics pattern
1: yeah, uh, yeah. yeah so, it should hopefully go back no but I mean the because this year where they we have the Canadian division flatten the curve yeah, <laughs> yeah. so hopefully next year so when it goes back to well seeing some teams only once a season you won't have hopefully this animosity and this tension building up
4: so what do by you the go- time
1: you know they that- see that team again.
4: What do you do with that information?
1: I don't know. What should oh. I do with it?
4: Well, I think you should... <laughs> I
1: think we should I tell the concussion doctor.
4: <laughs> I think you should write a paper on that. I think oh, you God. should write a report and get it published in one of the newspapers or, or uh, I'm not, I don't know... If the hockey magazine, uh, what's it called?
2: Uh, hockey news is a big one.
4: The yeah, hockey, hockey news. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if hockey news will will take it. You know, they um, they're look they're looking more for you know good news yes. mm-hmm.
3: That's
4: that's a good injury prevention story, but it would be worth trying. Why don't you try to get? Why don't you write it up and try to get hockey news to publish it? Wow, and
1: that'd be interesting. I,
4: I think people should know that this pattern, you know, was going in the right direction, but now yeah. it's reversing. That, so it's good. It's a good news, bad news.
1: Story. It is. Yeah. Like and I,
4: it's... I, it was great that the number, you know, I had, I had a feeling that that's what was happening because I was, wasn't having to close my eyes as many times. No. At, at because. <laughs> You do know that fighting kills. Mm -hmm. You know that hockey players have died because of fights.
1: Yep. One of my favorite players when I was growing up as a Leaf fan was Wade Belak. And he's someone who has now obviously since has passed away. And his wife has come out and said that he was diagnosed with CTE after his death. And it's just that was the first time I actually ever heard of the of the acronym. Yeah. And, and that
0: was all tied up in the in the original lawsuit as well i mean you had yes the, the that's Ewans, when i first heard about it rick Rypen. shortly thereafter uh mm. bugart. bugart but yeah
1: Bielak,
0: that's another one uh, a lot of good young men i mean they were these weren't old old gentlemen they were young men uh, have you
4: ever heard of don sanderson
1: i
0: have yes sir yeah. so
4: don sanderson played for the whitby dunlops
0: yep. senior and, high league. Yep.
4: and um he died um, in 2008, and it was a punch that killed wow. him. One punch in a hockey oh, no. game. In a hockey Jeez. game. He never woke up. And his mother, whose name is Donna Sanderson, no. Uh, yeah, his Don. Yeah, mother is Donna. Um, she became a member of our injury prevention group uh, at the time, which was Think First Canada. She,
3: mm-hmm.
4: um, an active member of our group, um, and trying to spread the word about the importance of getting rid of fighting in hockey. So she'd certainly be. Interested in reading your article. Thanks. Well,
1: Ryan is more of the one with words. So I'll (laughs) definitely. Would you help me, Ryan?
0: I will certainly help you. Yes, ma'am.
4: Yeah, that would be a fantastic contribution if that was in print. Well, yeah.
1: And honestly, to be completely honest with you, too, is this was something that I looked into only today. Like, I didn't give it. I, I'm sure if I dug deeper, I could probably find a lot more uh, specific stats. But um, I mean, this information there's, there's, is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can definitely. Yeah.
4: In our group, whose name is Richard Wenberg. Richard Wenberg, W-E-N-N-B-E-R-G. He's written quite a few papers about hockey statistics. He was yeah. the one who called attention to the importance of international rink size. Okay. And in fact, he just wrote a paper on CTE and hockey players. So um, he would be, if you, if you need some, somebody to you know, help you write that, and you're looking for some an experienced uh writer, he's a neurologist. Uh you should you should um enlist him. hmm There you go.
1: Look I'll look for him on LinkedIn. <laughs>
4: there you go.
1: Definitely on there, isn't he?
4: Oh one hundred
0: percent everyone yeah, everybody's everyone. on LinkedIn. Seems to be. Um, yeah. Doctor, with regard to the NHL, I mean I gotta roll back to this because we're 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 digging deep in here now. Um I mean you're a man of uh, medicine, science, fact. Uh, what what is it that frustrates you the most about how slow things have been progressing? Because I mean, it is it's dead slow. Let, let's face it. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, a sailor by trade. We used the, the term "dead slow" ahead. That's the that's the rate that we're moving at when it comes to the NHL's recognition of uh, of concussions and the problems associated. What is it? What is it about that that frustrates you? I mean, it's got to be.
4: Well. The frustration is the slowness with which they have dealt with a major problem. Mm. And it's so frustrating to think that they are uh, damaging the brains of their assets. So if you were in Mm -hmm. business and you knew that your workers Let's say you were the owner of a business and your workers are getting clobbered and can't add up figures and can't fill orders. can't pick items off the shelves to send to customers. Would would you continue to want to bash the brains of your staff? But that's what the NHL owners have chosen to do. Essentially, yeah. Sit back. And not take the steps that are necessary to protect their assets, and like so true. And I mentioned Richard Weinberg. We wrote a paper a while ago on how much money it's costing them to for players who retire because of repetitive concussions. We we documented thirty seven NHL players who had to retire because of repetitive concussions and they had to pay out the salaries of those players.
3: Yeah.
4: We added it up. It came to about a hundred and, I think about $120 million. Wow. Uh, we published that. So, but that 120 is stacked against probably what they think they're, they're bringing in $500 million by allowing the bashing to go on. Yeah. The mistaken idea that that is what is going to sell hockey. Mm. Now it may be- For some people. For some people, it is the Mm -hmm. item that sells it. And maybe that was important to have the expansion that they had into the U.S. Because as you know, their big expansion was expansion into the U.S. So maybe they are doing that to attract a more violent crowd yeah. in the, the country beneath us.
1: Mm-hmm. It's like that whole that, MMA thing with the, the boxing and stuff. Like, I, that blows my mind that people paid to watch people beat the crap out of each other like that blows my mind sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you but when you're talking about that that's, that's what my mind up yeah. yeah i just and i know in some of the different fighting uh sports, sports that they, they wear some kind of head protection but on the pay-per-views the ones that all these people pay money for they don't <laughs> they wear mouth guards and that's it yeah i mean i mean Mike
4: tra- a well-adjusted individual people. yeah, yeah. Yeah. get the brains beaten up yeah it
1: doesn't yeah i just it, i don't understand but i mean if you go back as far in history way 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 back there was always the, this thing that people want to watch two humans beat the shit out of each other yeah. and i don't get it i never did but that's another topic for it's another competitive day. Nature
4: <laughs> It does appeal to some people, but yeah. mm-hmm. I have to think that the people that it doesn't appeal to outnumber 100%. people that it uh, attracts, and I that's why I think they've made a mistake. Uh, and maybe mm-hmm. the fact that you have seen such a decline in fight in uh, fights over that period of time, and the getting rid of enforcers, maybe they have gotten the message. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think in fact. You know, Ken Dryden went across the United States, across Canada, mm-hmm. begging, pretty well, Gary Bettman to change his course, and he refused to acknowledge mm-hmm. the problem. Now, down deep, does he recognize the problem? Well, he'd have to be—he'd have mm-hmm. to be extremely. Yeah. You know, he
0: not to recognize it, or
4: it not yeah. to recognize the problem, but he has chosen to ignore, to, to, to deal with it, let's say, minimally and not yeah. really deal with it. He, could, You know what? He could solve this problem overnight, overnight, yeah. overnight. Mm-hmm. They could and just say, you know, uh, violent behavior is now a thing of the past. You play violently you're no longer employed here. Yeah. Over yes. Simple. Change it. Yeah. I but think
1: a lot of it would help too, if there was set rules for referees to follow as well, because it's come out, especially in the last few weeks with this whole, I don't know if you've heard about that, Dr. Tatter, where there was a ref with a hot mic. So um, it's been a, it's been a talk over the last few weeks on a lot of the news things on, on TV and radio and whatnot um, about, how players have even come out saying that they're not entirely sure what a penalty even is anymore because the refs are so inconsistent. And I wonder if that would help with some of the things, because there's some players out there who almost just test their boundaries just to see what they could get away with. I wonder if something like that would help curb the, you know, the roughing and the, um, you know, the violence.
4: That, that problem of, uh, referees not calling penalties and not calling rough, violent, Mm -hmm. damaging play is in every sport. Yes. If if you have a referee who is dumb or if you have a referee who likes violence, if you have a referee who's not educated about the risks of um, injury, game, becomes violent and injuries right. happen. I, yeah. I tell parents keep your eyes on the coach because there are coaches who preach violence. Yeah. When, I, when my son played hockey many decades ago, I was just appalled at the violence preached by my son's coach when he was nine years old. Can you believe yep. that? Crazy. Using terms like "kill him," <sighs> my coach would tell my son to kill. He used the word "kill." Can you imagine that? A
1: nine-year-old, right? Like any child, child yeah. for that matter. Let alone, yeah, take his head off. How many
0: times <laughs> have we heard it?
4: Kill. I mean, it's it's incredible. Yeah. So I advise parents: you watch the coach and you watch the referee. If yeah. the referee lets the game get out of hand, pull your kid out of the game. Yeah. Yeah, that's there right. has, There's been it.
1: a lot of, um, like, watching minor hockey now. Um, my boyfriend has a 10-year-old, and we watch a lot of hockey with him. And there, even at, at, at a 10-year-old level, there are so many games that can get out of hand because of the refs. Yeah. And um, then if one, something doesn't get called, so the other team goes out and retaliates on that. And then it's just, if you would have just called that first infraction, none of this would have happened. It's a snowball effect in a lot of the situations. It
4: all comes and back my, to who, you who know, mothers that. sit in my office with their kid and tell me, you know, my kid got knocked out by number eight on the other team. And you know what? That number eight knocked out another kid on our team. So here's one kid who knocked out two, two. players and the kid is still playing. I mean he should be Yeah. He should be suspended long ago to play ping pong. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That just doesn't, should not be tolerated. No, no, I agree.
0: There's a a far deep seated, far more deep seated issue when it comes to how professional sport and amateur sport is structured. And if there's no one who's held accountable, then no one is going to act the way an accountable person should. Mm -hmm. And the reason what got me on that train of thought I consider myself to be a, a very analytical person. Actually, I've done a lot of these disc profiles in work where it tells you, you know, you, oh, you're a cautious person or you're an aggressive person. Or, so I always end up finding out that I'm an analytical person. And I know that my friends all tell me that I overthink everything. Uh, but I, 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 I'm i a bit of a people watcher and I like to, to analyze the things that people say and do. And I remember watching an episode, I can't remember what exact uh, show it was on sportsnet but the host was bob mcgowan and i'm a big bob mcgowan fan he's been there 40 years super knowledgeable guy very well spoken and uh it was they were talking about the the topic of concussions and this would have been back around the lawsuit era okay and bob put it best and i'll never forget it he said he said do you remember when the police was self-police and everyone was like oh yeah that was not a good idea he said exactly because there were dirty cops he said there was no one to stop them." It all changed when police forces implemented uh, internal affairs. While it was still part of the police department, they were completely separate, two separate identities, and it kept the police officers in line. It didn't eliminate the dirty cops, but there were far fewer dirty cops. So everyone looks at the NHL as a sport, okay? Now, if it's a sport, it's a fun, it's a game. That's how we view it as fans. But it's
1: not a a sport.
0: It's a business. Yeah. So if you allow the NHL to self-police itself, it has one thing in mind, one priority, and that's making money. So until there's a secondary body instituted who can hold the NHL accountable and hold the referees accountable and hold mm-hmm. the players accountable, hardly anything is going to change. And yeah. I, I remember sitting back and listening to that and thinking now that that to me is – Proper analytical thinking when it comes to how the NHL is structured and the problems behind the game that, yeah. that we don't see as fans. All we see is a guy go out and punch another guy in the face, and some people cheer, somebody say, Ooh, that hurt. But at the end of the day, that is perpetuated right from the top. Uh, yeah. And if you had strong leadership in place, and I'm not here to tear Gary Bettman a new one, that's not my, my idea. Uh, do I agree with the man's stance on a lot of things? No. Do I think he does some things well? No. no (laughs) but if you had strong leadership at the top like in any fortune 500 company yeah you would find that it would penetrate all the way to the bottom and you'd have a more successful and a more reliable product at the end so that's where i stand when it comes to the nhl and their inefficiencies to take control and and actually run with run with a problem and solve it like the doctors put forward Mm -hmm. here you know until someone takes control
1: it was just acknowledgement at this point. Is oh my God, even an acknowledgement something. is
0: correct. Yes. Yeah. When you have gone like even... Colin Campbell, as recently as a year ago, coming on television and saying, well, there's no real link between concussions and CTE. Now, Colin Campbell is not a doctor or a brain surgeon. He's not even, an... anyway, I don't want to get talking. I don't want to slander people because that's not nice either. If I'm going to be a nice person, I should be a nice person. But <laughs> that's the NHL stance is that they want to tell a hard line to say, listen, we're not the problem here. And until yeah. that changes, until you get leadership who are willing to accept.
2: You can yeah. prove that they're a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And then,
0: then, then we might see some change. And I think that that's, that's the first thing that needs to happen for, for concussions to really make, uh, make, make the move forward that we need to make is, uh, is, is a change in leadership. And I hate to say that because I hate to talk about people who should lose their jobs or shouldn't, but uh, sometimes stronger stronger leadership will get it done. So that's my rant for today, doctor.
4: I, I enjoyed listening to it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I can see your smile. Yeah, <laughs> but it's also, He does uh,
3: that
2: a, a lot. Respons- <laughs> it's going to be a responsibility of the players because the players could also stand up and say we want this. Because if you ask the players, the players still want to fight too. But
1: yeah, I mean, Daniel Carcilio was one who Carcilio Carcilio was one. Yep. Car- I always say Ilio. I don't know why Carcillo. <laughs> um, he was one who actually came out and spoke out about it. I'm pretty sure. Did he not?
4: Yes, he did. Yeah. Um, so
1: there's been there's been a few who have come out now since retiring or or not even retiring, having no choice but to retire because of their injuries, um, come out saying that something needs change.
4: Yeah, it's surprising to me uh, that people who could um, make an influence on the owners like Sidney Crosby. Mm -hmm. Yes, Sidney almost lost his career. Yeah, he almost was one of those thirty-seven players that we have whose careers were ended. You know, people like Mark Savard, Brett Lindros, and um, Eric Lindros, etc., etc.
3: Pretty famous people
4: had to hang up their skates because of repetitive concussions, but before they hung up their skates did any of them make strong statements about the injuries and the the, the game the deterioration and the violence of the game the answer is no no and that is really a disappointment that's like hello
0: Oh yeah, no, that's Carly. Yep. Just, her okay. ca- camera
4: just went off for a uh, So I'm back. she's back. <laughs> you know, that that isn't good. Like if we could get even two or three prominent players to come out strongly while they're not after they retired, but while they're playing, you know, yeah. like in football, you had pretty some pretty brave people you know, who, who took a knee when, when you had to, to make a point. Yeah, yeah. We haven't seen that among hockey players that that's something that we have to change. Like how, why won't they speak up? And you, and you know, know what
0: doctor I- it's, it's very interesting because we run into the same issue with, with, with guests for podcasts. It's not because people are unwilling to come on and talk to us. It's because traditionally and culturally hockey players keep their mouth shut
4: they do you're right a, that's what
1: they say it's all boy, boys club or whatever it, it is it's just, and, and it's a very yeah.
0: hush hush situation and 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 what it goes back to unlike uh unlike in baseball or some other sports that doesn't have that stigma is the tough guy stigma the minute that you yeah. say oh well we shouldn't be hitting to the head or oh we shouldn't be fighting
1: you're a wuss
0: you're a wuss yeah yeah one, you're one, one, you're a baby to play in europe you know you're not tough enough to play in the nhl And that is, again, a a, a systemic problem in the culture around hockey. That's that's a toxic way to think, yeah. Yeah, it's grassroots a problem with the way. And and it it stems back to our generation. Our generation came up through the Rock'em Sock'em generation.
4: Mm -hmm. When I was a
0: kid, I was given a VHS tape every Christmas. Same. On Cherry with Rock'em Sock'em. And I guarantee you, thinking back at it now, I get cold shivers because I watched, I'd say, 100 men every Christmas get a concussion. Yeah, (laughs) and that's
1: true, no doubt. Yeah,
0: you know, and that's what that's what the VHS was, and that was pushed forward as the acceptable way to play. It it was and the exciting way. That's what you. It was
1: normal. It was Mm -hmm. normal almost for us growing up. But we need to make it the new normal for kids nowadays. It's just it's it's not normal, and it's not okay.
4: I could could forgive that at the beginning, like I could forgive Don Cherry for preaching violence when we didn't realize that violence yes. can kill and can change lives forever because the brain isn't working. But once he knew that, he still continued to preach violence. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't forgive him for that.
1: And nor no. can I
4: forgive, for example, the CBC. The CBC it. kept him in his place of honor and and in fact sold the, his tapes on their website. You could buy the knockham sockham tapes mm-hmm. on the CBC website. Can you imagine oh, wow. that?
1: Crazy. How, that for
4: misbehavior on the part of our national broadcaster.
1: broadcast. Yeah. yeah yeah, yeah. Crazy. promoting violence essentially which is
0: yeah. yeah in first and foremost in order to change the culture around hockey we need to change the rules and that's yeah. that's the first and foremost once the rules are changed and that comes come from like we talked about earlier leadership once the rules start to change the culture around it will change thankfully thank god we have a system in place now which promotes skill nothing is more exciting in the NHL now than watching a skilled player like Mitchell Mariner that's mm-hmm. what people want to see right now no one cares if Mitchell Miner drops the gloves. It would be funny because he's not able no. to do it. I wouldn't well, want to see it. No, I wouldn't want to see it. No, would be bad. he's too
1: precious. <laughs> but
0: what's what, what, being drafted in the first rounds, what's being drafted in the eighth round overall is skilled players. Yeah. So thankfully we've got that. If we can push it to the next level where, again, fighting, I hate to say it because I know it's, it's, it's a problem, but when fighting is removed from the game,
3: yeah,
0: that will be... I think the turning point that 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 needs to happen, and I never ever thought in a million years I would say that. As a child, I loved it. I was brought up in it. I nice. loved Damn. it. So, I mean, as an adult, I see I see the difference now. You know, I okay. I would never I would never encourage a young hockey player to get involved in that kind of even even that kind of scrum. It's uh it's 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 ultimately it's dangerous. dangerous. Yeah. What I want to roll into, and I think this will probably be one of my last points when it comes to the NHL stuff. Um, we're talking about contentious issues. I got to throw this one to the doctor because I want—I really can't wait to to hear his opinion or his recollection of this incident. A few years back, the NHL's emails got leaked. Gary Bettman, Brandon Shanahan, list of names, and I'm sure you probably had no interest in it at the time until someone referred to the Greenpeace. And the over people who are preaching against concussions as the Dr. Charles Tatters of the world. <laughs> I, I'd i like to know what your reaction was to hearing that you had been named in an email in a negative connotation as, as someone who is hurting our game as opposed to uh, oh, working towards a solution.
4: Well, it happened as a result of a lecture that I was giving. And I think it was... I think I was in Saskatoon or Regina. I think it happened in one of those two cities in Saskatchewan where, the, where there was a meeting on sports injuries. And I made the statement that Don Cherry is a, a bad influence on the game of hockey. Uh, so I criticized openly Don Cherry, and at that time, I think I was probably the first one that dared Seven to two. criticize yep. him. You weren't the last. <laughs> and um, a lot of people attacked, like it was really an attack. Yeah. And and then he attacked himself uh, on his, you know, hockey night. In Canada pulp that he used that opportunity to attack me oh, wow. um, and it was tragic because in my feeling that um, something good might come of that I actually called him uh, a week or so later and he wouldn't pick up the call like he oh, no way he did, he never called back.
1: No Is anybody way. shocked to hear that? Honestly, I am not at oh, all. Real. Not
4: at all. He did not call back. Like it was I think it I think it was you know not his way to you know grow or to acknowledge that he was wrong, that he was benefiting too much from then knock sockem sock style that he espoused. But, you know, I always felt that he was responsible for a lot of damaged brains. I don't know how he can live with himself. Like, if I had on my conscience what he should have on his conscience, I don't think I could live with myself. So I don't know how he lives with himself, knowing that lots of kids' brains and lots of professionals' brains... Are damaged because of him
1: yeah yeah it's like like i said earlier it's the acknowledgement and the ignorance of some people it's just and and the sad thing is those people even though you might tell them like this is your fault they still don't see that there's no it's it's just ignorance
0: ignorance is bliss it's a famous famous saying and And yet you know
4: um as i was as i was saying The um, previous part of my injury prevention activities was related to spinal injuries. Mm
3: -hmm. And we
4: had a sponsor, and I've forgotten who the sponsor was, was either a food company or some, or chocolate bar company, I've forgotten who it was. We got to help us spread the message about checking from behind and don cherry was enlisted to have his picture taken with me and he did the right thing you know maybe this was 3 or 4 years before the um before i said cherry you know is wrong preaching violence and hockey and he was as, he was helping Spread the message about the dangers of checking from behind. I have a picture of him with with a um with an NHL player whose name I've forgotten. He was a leaf player. And it was a you know, it was an important thing that he he was spreading the message about don't check from behind. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't sort of out of keeping that I would call him afterwards and say, look can we can we somehow squash this make something positive of this and have you say something about hitting the head in hockey and he refused wow oh wow
0: not another reason anyway (laughs) yeah really though yeah that's 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 fantastic that's a fantastic story if uh, yeah I like that. Oh, that's amazing. Guys, is, cool. is there anything else you guys had that you wanted to touch base with, with the doctor? Because I'm I've I've been talking a lot here and I got through my list of questions. No, I, think, was... I, think
4: I, need, I think I need to go on and do something else. Sure. <laughs> I, right? I I didn't tell you that I have insomnia. <laughs> so I uh, have something else I have to get done tonight. Oh, absolutely. oh yeah. well, well, you we, do
1: your thing.
0: Absolutely. Well, in, in closing, Doctor, what, what, we, what, we, what we haven't told you yet and what we want to share with you is that prior to you coming on, we'd done all of our research as much as we could. And we'd learned a lot even before you came and filled us in with even more information. Um, we were inspired. We've already reached out to our, our member of the House of Assembly uh, locally. Uh, to find out about what uh, legislation has been put in place and they've actually reached out to the department of sports and through um, the whole the whole long name, departmental name Yeah, government. and
1: and mm-hmm. uh, forget find what it is what sports has been, recreation tourism
0: and they're going to get back to us this week and at which point we plan to pursue the Rowlands law uh legislation in Newfoundland on your behalf and on and of course the, the parents of uh, mm-hmm. of uh, of young Rowan. young Rowan. so uh, we wanted to share that little, little bit of news because you've inspired us, and and we want yep. to thank you uh, first and foremost for taking the time to come and talk to us and educate the people who are smart enough to listen to the podcast.
4: You know, yes. that is music to my ears. Do you use that expression?
2: We do. <laughs> <laughs> oh it yeah, to
4: my ears. And you know, I think that's admirable because it's that type of grassroots um, in place. Uh, movement that moves politicians to act and that 's what we had to do to get robland 's law you We had to call them and bug them and keep at it and uh, the people who could help like i really I really think you should try and mobilize some help. Parachute Canada, which we didn 't mention tonight, uh, is an organization that that is excellent for injury prevention and they could help with something like that. They they would be an ally to you to try to uh, push that through. So Keep that in excellent. mind. Would you perish? Yes. That's all we, will. we
0: certainly uh, because will. I've, they, I've...
4: Because they were helpful in getting Rowan's law passed and in fact they were uh, federally given the job of developing concussion guidelines, which is another important um, mm-hmm. issue in our that. country that we were the, for one of the first countries to have a national scheme for, uh, for, for all the sports organizations to follow. Mm-hmm. And the Public Health Agency of Canada gave that job to Parachute Canada. So I think they would be a real ally to you in trying definitely. to convince the Newfoundland legislature to pass a law. I'm uh, gonna try.
1: I'm also going to try out. to, yeah, find out who is also the neurosurgeon at the health science right now, too, because yep. have and somebody when, local uh, that could back us up would be excellent.
0: One last that call would, that I made that right prior to, prior to our podcast night, like, last call I made was to, uh, he's actually the... Uh, uh, executive director at Hockey NL Hockey Newfoundland and oh, I wanted to God. chat with him about concussions and what they're already doing without legislation and uh the things that they're doing at Hockey NL mirror the things that are required under uh Roland's law already yeah so we have people locally and, and that's uh that's a, gr- a great gentleman he was he took the time to talk to me today his name was Craig Tuck um executive director at the uh, Hockey NL and uh and of course they're all about safety and uh, yeah. on board with anything that that'll, that'll make the game more safe for safe. the players so uh we're working we're working on it on your behalf sir yeah. and uh, we <laughs> just want to let you know you've inspired us and and again thanks so 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 much for taking the time to come chat yes. with us today you know Thank
1: what you
4: much. it was my pleasure my pleasure very informative excellent good to well, me hopefully
1: maybe we'll hopefully get you on again someday soon and we'll have a good update we'll for see. you
4: yeah we'll have that, some, would, yeah. that would be lovely i'll look forward to that
1: Absolutely. i hope so
0: all right, thanks so much. Have a
1: thanks good evening. Thanks for coming. Have a good on. evening,
4: sir. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. See
3: ya.
0: All right, guys. Amazing episode. Probably one of <laughs> my favorites we've done. I mean, just, just phenomenal. Uh big thanks to the doctor for coming on. Obviously, can't say it enough. But if you liked what you heard, or if you're what if you're listening, you're probably listening on Spotify, uh Google, Google Podcasts, favorite. Apple yeah. Podcasts, Stitcher, all those places that we we're, uh, we're live streaming. Uh, the audio version but if you're watching uh, you probably picked us up on youtube by searching deep snipe Selly. Uh you might have uh, caught the link on twitter at silly or through facebook uh, deke snipe celly on facebook uh, www.facebook.com slash deke and of course our web page www.deke so that's how you can get us uh, make sure you you smash that subscribe button to carly towards your you know where's your there you go it's right there mm-hmm. should pop up there no you don't see a it chance right above your head <laughs> there you go <laughs> there it is yeah guys make sure you hit the subscribe button like and share that's what we really we, we really love to see uh, see our stuff getting getting shared around and more importantly let's get some feedback drop something in the comments yeah. box below uh, we'd love anything to anything at them. all anything at all anyway guys i guess that's it peace out
3: cheers
1: bye.